Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Women and maths is something not adding up. In honour of National Numeracy Day this week, we're looking at why so many women say they're less confident with numbers than men, and why this is a myth, because it is a myth, that we are keen to bust. Bobby Seagull, the FT columnist, star of University Challenge and possibly Britain's most famous maths teacher, joins me in the studio to crunch the numbers and asks how we can up the level of female students taking maths and further maths at A-level. Meanwhile, Mike Ellicock, chief executive of the National Numeracy Charity, is also here to tell us all about this year's Numeracy Challenge. Do grab a calculator, as Bobby will be throwing in a few quiz questions. And Holly McKay, founder of the consumer website Boring Money, has drawn some parallels between an aversion to maths and a lack of confidence when it comes to investing. Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's weekly podcast about personal finance and investing. I'm Claire Barrett, FT Money Editor, bringing all of this week's money news. Now close your eyes and let me take you back in time. Imagine that you're 15 years old and back in secondary school. Ooh, the horror. The bell has just rung and your next lesson is double maths. How does that make you feel? Are you pleased as you love problem solving and find maths easy? Perhaps you are anxious as you worry about blurting out the wrong answer in front of the class. Or maybe you just find maths boring and you're itching to use the compass inside your Oxford math set to inscribe your name into the desk. Well, our emotional reactions to mathematics as children, believe it or not, can determine how number confident we are in later life. And sadly, many adults have such poor numeracy skills. It's impacting on how they work and how they manage their personal finances. Now, Bobby, you're an ambassador for National Numeracy and you've written in FT Money this weekend all about their research findings on the confidence levels men and women have with numbers. Tell us more. Yes, so the research from National Numeracy actually brings out some interesting information about the confidence that men and women feel and the difference between the two. Um, So three quarters generally feel confident dealing with numbers. But what's really interesting is just two thirds of women feel confident with numbers, whereas over four in five men do. And that's, you know, a 20% difference in the two. And what we've also found is that women tend to hold more negative emotions towards mathematics 
and it comes to be like one in, I think it's about 30% of women, just under 30%, and 13% of men feeling anxious about mathematics. So clearly there's a difference between the two genders here. And as a class teacher, again, generally speaking, when you when I find students that struggle with maths, you put a worksheet before them. And even before they've looked at it, Claire, they're going, oh my God, Mr. Seagull, I can't do it. Mm. But while I tend to find it, actually this issue is sort of more defined with women and girls in my classes. And I'll find that girls actually have a lack of confidence in their ability, even if actually on paper and results-wise, they're just as good as the boys. So clearly it's something that's happening not just in the classroom, but more societally. And we like stats and numbers on the FT money. We do indeed. And I believe you've got some about the numbers of pupils who are choosing to carry on with maths because in in the UK you have to study maths up to the age of 16 but then it's up to you whether you want to do A level but fewer women are saying yes I want to carry on. Absolutely so the numbers tell us so of those with A grades at GCSE only 43% of girls go on to do maths whereas 65% of the boys got so it's a huge nearly a 25% gap between the two and in the raw numbers itself for A level entries last year we had 59,000 boys compared to 38,000 girls so as a teacher there is an issue about why we're losing so many girls who are mm. actually competent enough to to move on to the A level of maths yeah well certainly I I didn't study A level maths at school I did music art English literature Art subjects are traditionally ones that, you know, girls are told, oh, yes, you know, you should you should do that. I mean, personally, I chose A-level music because I knew it would be really easy because I was quite good <laughs> at, at playing an instrument. I didn't study it at university, but I was able to pick up quite a lot of UCAS points for not very much work. But I was asked, why don't you think about doing A-level maths? And I was, I was quite horrified because I thought, mm, well, I'm nowhere near the best in my class at maths. You know, I freely admit, even as editor of FT Money, that I do have to think twice about numbers it's not something that I feel comes to me naturally in the same way as singing a song or you know playing an instrument might do but it's something that I nevertheless know I have to work hard at and get right and I think one of the myths that we need to dispel is that you need to be a genius to be good at maths and secondly that maths is just something that's sort of required by a small elite of the population. You know, we use numbers and maths every single day, whether I'm planning my train journey here for the podcast or working out how much I need uh, to make sure I meet my budget at the end of the month. And I think with a lot of women, they need to realise that, and girls who are applying for maths at A-level, is that if you're doing biology or psychology, a lot of jobs require you to be numerate. And it's actually by turning down maths, you're not just turning down oh, the opportunity of maths as a career, you're actually damaging potentially that your opportunities in the workplace because you need to be confident and competent with numbers in the workplace. Well, how big a role do you think parents play in changing attitudes and developing maths and numeracy skills? A huge uh, role they play. And actually in my school, I've done sessions with parents talking to them about their attitude at home towards children has such a large impact on their child's self image of themselves as mathematicians so I know particularly with mothers and girls I always tell mothers if you tell your child that maths is not important oh, I can't they do maths. Maths. actually yeah. the impact on girls is more significant than fathers saying it to boys so the attitude that parents have on maths can really seep through to children so a positive one is what we encourage and the opposite of that if mothers are telling their daughters hmm let's do this maths together 
I love maths. Look at how maths has saved us money. Mm-hmm. This could have a really positive impact. Yes, as girls see that role model, obviously there's teachers and high-profile figures that are role models, but the one that they see most often is their mother. So if their mother can show, actually, I use maths and numbers every day, then their daughter's going to think, oh, actually, it's worth me paying attention or even thinking about progressing the subject beyond GCSE. OK, well, obviously, an anecdotal insight from Bobby there. If you violently disagree, then do get in touch <laughs> with us. Money at ft.com. We'd like to continue the debate further. But for now, if you listen to Radio 4's Today programme, you may well have heard Bobby Seagull's quiz questions. So in honour of National Numeracy Day, he's done a pared-down version for us. So Bobby, could you give us the first quiz question, please? So fingers and buzzers, if you have a beautiful claret and blue West Ham scarf, a beautiful scarf, and it costs £11.70 after a 10% reduction... What was the original price? So I'll repeat that. If a West Ham scarf costs £11.70 after a 10% reduction, what was the original price? Well, sounds pretty cheap for a football scarf, if you ask me. We'll reveal the answer later on, and it's totally okay to use a calculator or pen and paper to work out the answer. But now I'm going to quiz Mike Ellicott, the Chief Executive of the National Numeracy Charity, on why numbers matter to him. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hi, thanks, Claire. Well, our pleasure to have you on again. But why do we need a National Numeracy Day? Well, that's a good question. And and I think as part of your conversation with Bobby highlighted, this is quite a complex issue. The headline facts of the working age population are that roughly half of adults are at primary school levels in terms of their number understanding. So we have a big issue and our contention, and we're yet to find any evidence that this isn't the case, this underpins our productivity puzzle in the UK and also underpins some of the issues we have around financial capability in this country. So it's a hidden issue for at least one day of the year. Uh, We're getting to talk about it. And one of the most popular parts of the National Numeracy Campaign is your annual number challenge, which is essentially an online quiz on your website to test and improve adult numeracy. Why should people take this test? That's another excellent question. And it's the it's the, really the highlight, the main thing that we're trying to say is to encourage people to check where they are in terms of their everyday number skills. So the test is called the National Numeracy Challenge. And there's also a website, numeracyday.com. So go to either of those and, and try it out for yourself. And what you'll find is it's simple maths applied to everyday everyday situations rather than complex maths in simple situations which might be uh, a level or or even most of GCSE might be characterized by and so what we're saying is we want everyone to be confident and competent so they can use numbers and data to make good decisions in their daily life so it's very much about decision making use a calculator use a phone like you said but let's collectively try and make good decisions about our finances good business decisions at work and we think that will do us each favours, but also UK PLC a favour too. Now, I have to say, last year's article that I wrote about National Numeracy Day, one of the most popular things that people did in the reader comments section on FT.com was take the test Mm. and then come back and tell other readers how they had scored, you know, 91 out of 100. (laughs) The economics editor, Chris Giles, was really cross because he only got 99 out of 100. But he he is a hideously (laughs) intelligent guy. So um, he was taking issue with a question about a helicopter, I seem to remember. Mm. There was much chuckling going on. But two things. Firstly, if people took the test last year, should they do it again this year? And secondly, when it comes to 
boasting about your score. I can't remember what I got. I know it wasn't as high, Chris. But you got over eighty, fair, and that was the main thing. I so over know. eighty means basically yeah, you're so allowed to be in charge of the money section well, of the national. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and much more. So what we say is if you if you get over eighty, it's you get the essentials of numeracy. So that's what we think are the the underpinning kind of number sense or number skills to be able to make sensible decisions uh, using numbers and data. If you score below that, that's totally fine, and we're here to help you. So it links to a load of learning resources, focus on the the areas you got wrong, and then you can work your way forward. So for people that did it last year, absolutely do it again. So this is a bit like, I, I used to be in the army, and once a year you do a basic fitness test. It's quite quite a simple could test. could probably do with yeah. one of those as well. <laughs> well, it's, it's a mile and a half run from memory. So this is roughly equivalent to that. Check whether you've, maybe you got rusty in the previous year, Maybe you just want to brush up on your skills or maybe you need a, a longer term improvement. But but what we're finding is that this is a kind of starting point for a journey for people or it's a kind of check back. And so we'd encourage all your listeners to have a go. It takes about half an hour. So commit a little bit of time, but you can come in and out of it however you want. Just do it in five minute chunks. But we think it's a useful kind of underpinning assessment of where you're at in terms of your number skills, which, as we've been saying, underpin so many other areas of life. Mm. Challenge your children, perhaps. See who can. Yeah, that would be good too. Come Maybe do top. it together with them. Well, yes. Then they cheat. My, <laughs> my children would. But coming back to Bobby, now the quiz question we asked earlier. This is actually one that's taken from the National Numeracy Quiz this year. Can you repeat the question and give us the answer, please? So I asked if a West Ham scarf costs eleven pounds seventy after ten percent reduction, what was the original price? And the answer? The answer was thirteen pounds. So congrats if you got that correct. And here is a look behind the curtain, my working out. So it says it's a 10% reduction. The original price was 100%, as it were. So we know that the new price is going to be 90%. In other words, £11.70 equals 90%. So then what you can do is scale that down. So we know 90% is 11 You can divide both sides by 9, as it were. So almost imagine a bit of an equation. So divide... The 90% by 9, that gives us 10% actually works out to be a pound 30. Then we scale that back up and that gives us 13 pounds as the original amount. So actually, students that are doing GCSE will know this as reverse percentages, but you can use any method you want. But in terms of a GCSE teacher method, there's something called reverse percentages. Well, I have to say, I find it much easier to calculate what something is if you get a 10% reduction when you can see the original price. And this is a great example of everyday maths. You know, you're you're out in a shopping centre or looking online and you think, well, is this a is this a good deal? And in fact, you've argued before in an FT money column that GCSE maths could be made more relevant by introducing kind of real life questions such as these. Absolutely. And again, I always say I'll, put, I'll defend things like trigonometry and Pythagoras because I love them. But with young people in particular, you need to show them how it's relevant to their everyday life. And if a child is popping into a supermarket or a sports store and they're checking out for deals, that is practical numeracy and they can see the benefit of that. Well, while you're here, Bobby, give us another question to be puzzling over during the next section of the podcast. So Mike's nutritious lunch (laughs) contains 640 calories of energy. So Mike's lunch contains 640 calories of energy. What percentage is this of his daily target intake of 2,000 calories? 
Well, thanks very much for that, Bobby. We'll reveal the answer a bit later in the podcast. If you want to take the full test, you can access it, of course, through the FT website. Go to ft.com slash number challenge and you can read in full for free, I might add, our article all about National Numeracy Day and access the quiz. But back to you, Mike, because I haven't finished with you yet. What more can you tell us about the link between numeracy skills and managing your personal finances? Yeah, so we're building a picture about the link uh, between the two. So we know that people who are more numerate save more, they save more frequently, and they use high-cost credit products less frequently. We've done some interesting work with Experian last year and looked at the correlation between credit score and numeracy score on, mm. on our test, on, on the National Numeracy Challenge. And unsurprisingly, there's a close correlation there. The thing that's really interesting is, can we improve adults' numeracy skills? And we believe we can. So 78% of people who've engaged with our online tool and then have taken the test again have improved. The really crucial thing then is, if you can improve your numeracy, can you improve your financial capability behaviour? And that's by its nature quite a longitudinal piece of work. And we're actively engaged in that now. We believe that those things can happen and that we can shift from a position where half of adults in the country at primary school levels in terms of that underlying number sense, they can improve that number sense and then that will improve their money sense. So we're excited about this work to start to prove that more strongly. Well, thanks very much there, Mike. When I saw the national numeracy research about women having a tendency to be less confident with numbers, I felt a sense of deja vu. Similar arguments are applied to why fewer women have the confidence to invest in stock markets. Now, I'm joined now by Holly McKay, who's chief executive of consumer website Boring Money. Now, Holly, you're a massive advocate of female investment. Your whole business, in fact, set up to empower the female to get in charge of her money and get on top of problems in life, saving for retirement, saving in general, and just understanding how it all works. But you're also pretty handy with maths homework, I hear. (laughs) (laughs) It's by force. I mean, I have to say a sort of something that you don't know about me, Claire. I was in set four for maths at school, so I'm no maths genius myself. But um, yeah, I have a nine-year-old daughter now and She's following in her mummy's footsteps. I'm not sure that's a good thing, but she's not a natural fan of maths. And you've actually spoken to your daughter. Kindly, you recorded it so we can play that clip now on the podcast and asked her if she thought boys or girls were better at maths. The answers are quite revealing. Hit the tape, please. Okay. If you had to say who was better at maths out of girls and boys, what would you say and why? I think we're both the same in different ways. Do you like maths? It's not my best. What don't you like about it? I can get a bit bored. And do you think you're better at doing sums if it's working out how much you've got to spend on something? Probably. Tell me which of these sums you'd rather do. Would you rather do fractions or spending money in shops? Spending money in shops. And would you rather do working out if you had enough to go on holiday or looking at your times tables looking at my times tables i have to say i think i'd rather spend half an hour doing times tables and working out how i'm going to pay for my next holiday but absolutely fascinating recording of your nine-year-old daughter there holly i absolutely loved it when she said that maths to do with money switches her on (laughs) she is she is a bit of a capitalist for a nine-year-old but i think point there 
that I was interested to sort of tease out is I'm um, possibly this is a heresy coming on your podcast and saying this, but maths in isolation to me is boring. I'm not one of those genius type people that associates maths with music and, you know, will go off and it is dull, but it's this is, I think, the whole problem when we come back to sort of looking at it in terms of if investing is it isn't about maths. You know, maths is dull in isolation. But if you look at the stock market, take the example of Uber, you know, the sort of float that everyone's talking about, that's got nothing to do with maths. It's about sentiment. It's about hope. It's about how does a loss-making taxi company with no mm. taxis get that kind of valuation? It's got nothing to do with maths at all. It's about psychology, fear, greed. So, I think this sort of connection that that we assume or many people assume is there between maths and being a good investor is over over inflated. I don't think you have to be good at maths to take an interest in the stock market and to be an investor. What do you think is holding women back in particular from getting involved? I think there's two things. I think there's... um, topic relevance and I think confidence that the first one relevance I just don't think the industry is very good at making a connection between the slightly dry economic discussions about oil prices or the Chinese economy with our day-to-day lives so it's you know why, why should I care why is any of this sort of important to me and the second one is just an, a, a clanging lack of confidence and we do see this uh, much more acutely in, in women than men they don't think they're any good at investing I hear things like I'm not rich enough I'm not smart enough there's that sort of imposter syndrome that, that women are more likely to have than men. And for women who are listening, on, or men for that matter, who are listening on the podcast at home, why is investing and not just saving so important? Because all the studies show us that women are saving money, they're just not investing. I think because people are nervous about investing and because people don't think they understand it, they tend to say, oh, I'll come back to this next year. And the money just sits there in the current account for another year. Anyone saving for at least five years plus, I would say if you sit in cash... Yeah, it's like trying to climb Mount Everest in flip-flops. You, you're not going to get to where, where you need to go to. And, and sitting in cash, in fact, is even worse. You're rolling down the hill very slowly because, of course, inflation's eating away at your savings. So I think the sort of bottom line is because of various you know regulations we have to abide by, we have to be very careful about talking to people about the upsides of investing. But the facts are that since the stock market began, if you look at any 10-year time period, nine times out of 10, stocks have done better than cash. So you know, we're sitting on the sidelines. People aren't getting involved with investing because they think they don't understand it. But they're losing out on those long-term benefits that we see from investing and, and, and kind of shooting ourselves in the foot, really. Now, there's a growing body of research that women who do have the confidence to invest can often outperform men in terms of the investment returns they're able to generate. We wrote about this in FT Money last week. But what do you think? I think gender here is not the primary factor. I think it's a secondary factor. It is that confidence, I think, that is is driving those those better returns. So because women will typically feel less confident about this than men, our research shows us that they tinker less, they fiddle around with the investments less. So the average uh, time period, for example, that a woman holds a fund for is slightly over 10 years. For a man, that's eight years. So there's lots of data out there which will tell us that women are actually trading less. Now, I think overconfidence 
in a retail investor can be a really dangerous thing. I think people can trade more. They try and time the market, which is always, um, I think, a sort of recipe for disaster. There's a few sneaky penny dreadful stocks that sort of <laughs> get into the portfolios because we can't help ourselves. So I think it's that sort of overconfidence, which is a, a more male trait when it comes to investing, that is, is stuffing things up. And and weirdly, actually, I'd say it's possibly controversial that for a retail investor, in a way, the the worse at maths you are and, and the less confident you are, the better you're likely to do. Well, hope for us all. Thank you very much there to Holly McKay, Chief Executive of Consumer Website Boring Money. And if you would like to read the article that Isabel Owen wrote in FT Money last week, looking at all of the surveys around women and investing, whether they're better at it than men, that's on our website now, fc.com slash money. Well, thanks very much, Holly. Now, Did you manage to work out the answer to Bobby's question? Bobby, or should I say Mr Seagull, please remind us of what you asked earlier. Mike's lunch contains 640 calories of energy. What percentage is this of his target daily intake of 2,000 calories? And the answer, please? Drum roll, please. It's 32%. Uh, So congrats if you got that correct. And here's the working out. So... You can do it if you're using a calculator, which is, again, fine. You can do 640 divided by 2,000, and then you multiply it by 100 to give you a percentage of 32. But if you're someone that likes to use pen and paper, what you would do is write as a fraction, so 640 over 2,000, and then we divide both by 2, so you get 320 over 1,000, and then essentially we cancel out one of the zeros. So it gives us 32 over 100, and that is a percentage out of 100, so 32%. See, when you explain it, it all seems so simple. <laughs> <laughs> Often you look at these questions. When I did the test last year, I was looking at something and thinking, oh, God, I don't think I can answer that. And then I think about it a bit and think, oh, yes, I can. And, you've, and then you get it right and you feel great. Finally, Bobby, before we let you go, for those listeners or their children who are avowed maths haters... What piece of advice could you give them to take away? So obviously, apart from doing the essentials of numeracy for national numeracy, it actually is confronting your difficulties in maths because it's there's not, I would say it's fine to say that you find numeracy and maths difficult, but the key thing is not to avoid it by saying, oh, I can't do it, I refuse to engage, is to do something about it. So whether it's uh, yourself and trying to re-engage in numbers on a daily basis, looking at your bank statement, seeing what it means, or even trying to help your child of homework, try to re-engage with maths, that's the most important thing. Well, that's nearly it from us at the FT Money Show. If you'd like to give us any feedback about this podcast or get in touch with our team of experts, you can email us, money at ft.com. And for the latest news updates, follow us on Twitter at FT Money or look for our new group on LinkedIn, FT Money. Now, to play us out today on this special national numeracy edition of the FT Money Show, we are going to revive one of our greatest hits. A year ago, Bobby and I recorded a maths rap to hammer home why numbers matter. Now, this could amuse you or frankly put you off maths for life, but here it is in its full glory. And we will be back next week at the usual time. Goodbye. Hit it. (laughs) Well, Bobby, I hope you like the tune I've written for you. Shall I start you off? Go for it. Okay, here we go. Have you ever thought that there's something funny? There's more month left than you've got money. Working hard, yet you're overdrawn. So where has all your money gone? Solution's easy, can't you see? You need to improve your numeracy. My name's Bobby Seagorn, I love math. And no, no psychopath. Claire Barrett from Financial Times is joining me to bust some rhymes in praise of math, but especially for those who are sitting there GCSE. Oh. 
many people sitting there GCSE. Seven plus three. You've got some, even, from the BBC. Susan seems to see go. You can call me Bobby. You see, maths and me is more than just a hobby. Two twos are four, four twos are eight. Starting with your tables would be just great. Trigonometry is all about the angle. Ratio sign cos, but don't get in a tangle. Area of a circle, pi r squared. Pi times two r circumference if you can. Y equals m to c. Just straight line. M the gradient. See the intercept be mine. Numerator over denominator. Better get it right, or see, see you later. Ooh, I'm scared. Be scared. Have you ever given anyone a detention? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm worried now. Okay. Kids and adults need to learn the things that will make your money burn. Have confidence in your number skills and you will spend less on your bills. Don't like maths? Well, listen up, haters. Your life improves with a calculator. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? You like love that? that love I've, that. Right, I've, got, I've got more. I've got more. Landlords, banks, and even your boss. If you're not good with numbers, well, they'll rip you off. You can end up paying more than you ought for Sky TV or BC Sports. Whatever you earn, it's up to you to make your money work really hard for you. Unexpected bill? Can you absorb it? A dream holiday? Could you afford it? Max out your credit card? Holy moly. You'll get rich quick, but you'll get poor slowly. Only repay the minimum whack. It could take you decades just to pay it all back. I hope that you're not the kind of guy who only does the minimum repayment, Bobby. Max, max, max. <laughs> Take it away for National Numeracy Day. You keep improving what you know. When you get a job, you learn more dough. Take the online test today at nationalnumeracy.org.uk. Don't be scared, just have a go. If you get things wrong, the test will show exactly what you need to do to make those numbers work for you. Improve your skills and get on track. Take the test, it's time to fight back. Mask can give back power to the people. That's why we're all numbers, numbers people. people. <laughs> Fantastic. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rustoleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustoleum. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.